Yes. And we are recording started. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. Awesome. Are you ready to rock? Let's do oh, you're this. Okay, you, you froze there for a second. So sometimes you might phrase, but it actually records locally on your computer and then uploads, so we should be fine. Um, good. But we're good. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I think I'm going to start off in this view uh, mm -hmm. with just me, and then I'm going to bring you in like that. Oh, no, not like that. That's you. Damn it, Felipe. Sorry, I'm... Is that the, the double view I should be using? The double view is very nice. And or, then here is just solo plus logo, guess only. Okay. So here there's you. That's me. Just you a little bit smaller. Yeah. Just the guest. Okay. And and the two of us. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. That's I'm very start close. Off with... That's very close. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> you can sit back a bit if you want. Okay. Right. I'm going to kick off um, now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Web3 Leaders Podcast. My name is Colin Fitzpatrick and it's awesome to have you and I'm super excited to have an amazing guest today. It's Caroline DeMolin from Meta. Uh, welcome Caroline, it's amazing and thank you for joining me. Hello, thank you for having me. Very excited to be here today. So let's maybe tell a little bit about um, how we met. So uh, as I've talked about before, I'm currently here in the beautiful island of Florianopolis, Brazil. And while out with a couple of friends of mine, I started chatting to this lady, Caroline, who turns out we have an awful lot in common. Uh, I've been in the you know NFT, metaverse, crypto space for quite a long time. And she was uh, telling me some awesome stories about Reality Labs and how she's been very, very deep in everything metaverse, the future of work, NFTs, and uh, yeah, generally the entire industry, keynote speaker, if, uh, doing the, the event circuit. And so uh, I, I begged her to come on and I was very, very delighted that she said she's uh, said yes to my podcast as the first activity for this year. So thank you very, very much. And uh, yeah, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you and really what your journey was that, um, that led you to where you are today? Amazing. Well, it was really nice to meet you at that night. And my journey started when I actually you know, join this community of AR developers in which um, I had to get to know them a little bit better because of my work. And back on the days, it was just the beginning of this whole use of AR, use of effects. And it was mostly makeup effects. I think many of you must remember sure. uh, the launch of the Kylie Jenner effect. You had to follow her to have access to her effects. So that also helped to boom her her Instagram account back on the days. That was, um, I think it was 2018. And everything was booming back on the days. But the technology kept evolving. And VR as a parallel always existed, but very focused on gaming and those, you know, uh, eventual uh, evolution of that, always focused on gaming. And my job was always to look at creators and try to understand how can we use something that it's on our hand, which is our phone, which a lot of people have uh, today, right? Uh, not mm. a lot of people have VR assets. And try to mm. understand together with the community of creators, how can we improve and give people the ability to uh, explore 3D 
using their their device, using their mobile device. And going through my career, and stop me if you need, but uh, going through my career, uh, it was very Please. close to my heart to work with them and, and evolve within the technology, especially uh, on, on the company I work for and a bunch of projects that I participated. But suddenly, uh, two years ago, everything became metaverse, right? Like yeah. metaverse existed way before, but the mm. boom of everyone talking about it happened two years ago. And that's when I also started to study way more about it. To be completely honest, it was a word and a bunch of buzzwords in my world back on the days. But then when you start studying it and getting a little bit more deeper into it, you get to understand that there is a whole ecosystem, not just placed on gaming, but mostly placed on education, health, security, and a bunch of other things, right? So mm. my journey with all of this metaverse thing started with AR. Is still a lot in AR, but I would say like today I... I'm kind of someone trying to learn a lot more about immersive tech in general, not just That's AR awesome. or VR. I think, look, what you said at the beginning there is something I've been talking about for a while. There are still very, very few virtual reality headsets in existence. I think it's around 10 million or something like that, which is a, a, a drop in the ocean. Um, and we've seen a bunch, I mean, if you go into the Apple Store, there's thousands of AR and mixed reality sort of apps on there, but they, I think they kind of have limited usage. I mean, yeah, it's fun to pick up your phone and, and, and play around with something, but are you going to be doing it every day? Pretty unlikely. Where do you see this going and what do you think has to happen before, before this sort of becomes more mainstream for your average person? Yeah, I think based on the evolution of the internet itself, we need to start from somewhere. And not necessarily this somewhere, this place, it's going to look exactly how the future would look like. Uh, mm. So I think we're living this uh, as we would, I would say, like, you know, the beginning of the Internet that, you know, you had like this noise when connecting to the Internet. Yeah. Phone, <laughs> and yeah. Then, uh -huh. <laughs> I think we're living exactly that moment now when it comes to immersive tech. But especially uh, when we look at the AR possibilities and, and everything that we can do with our phones, which is way more than just a, a makeup effect. We know that there is a lot of things happening when it comes to AR glasses. And mm. in my view, that that's where the future would look like. It's us wearing AR glasses, having yeah. this layer of virtual uh, on top of what our eyes can see, which is the definition of AR, right? Having a layer of virtual on top of what your eyes can see. We do that through our phones because we don't have the devices uh, just yet. But I feel like the idea would be, for example, when you're, you know, you're driving and you have to look at your phone or the screen of your car to know where to go. Imagine having that you know, in front of your eyes and, and having also a lot of other things, right? Imagine being That's able to translate point. a menu uh, and, and not having to go to Google Translate to do that necessarily. It can have <laughs> well, that is extremely uh, appropriate for me because I'm here, been close to six months living in Brazil. My Portuguese is embarrassingly bad. I do rely too much on my phone. If I could have a pair of glasses that automatically translated the menu and maybe 
even listen to what someone is saying and, and pipe that into my ear, dream come true. Because I do have to now focus on actually immersing myself in learning Portuguese. But Elon Musk says in the future it's not going to be required to learn languages because, you know, AI and MR will fix these sort of things for you. I mean, look, one of the things that I've always said is in terms of, you know, when is the metaverse getting here? And I just wrote about this recently. People are really impatient. I mean, it was about just over a year ago that Facebook renamed to Meta. And I've been talking about the metaverse in, in what I do for quite a while before that. And people used to look at me like I had two heads. And then all of a sudden, Mark comes out and goes, right, this is the future of the internet. And everyone, bang, okay, right, we're done. That's it, next. Never had to explain myself again. But we're only a year into it, and people are already, there was a uh, New York Times article calling it the metaverse and saying, oh, you know, it's not that good, and it's not really going to go anywhere. In my opinion, it's only just started. It's only just been born. And we have several very sizable technology hurdles to get over because at the end of the day, yeah, you can put on this thing that no one really wants to walk around all day with a brick on their face. I'm hoping Apple come out with, you know, their mixed reality headset followed by a pair of fairly normal glasses that will give you, you know, your information, your notifications and whatever you want and maybe a fully immersive experience. That is the day when things are going to change. Everyone will flood in and we're still waiting for that, in my opinion. Indeed, I think um, I think it was it was an important beginning. As, as I mentioned in the beginning, I am very connected with the AR, MR, VR uh, builders and exactly what you said, like suddenly people were going after them and, and being interested because people started to understand that there was even a possibility because before it was like, okay, I use a bunch of filters on my Instagram account. I know that there, there are these headsets that you can play, but mm. how does that actually relate to my day-to-day -day life? That's yeah. when I believe people started to think like, no, there might be usage for me as a doctor to try to, you know, instead of doing that in a human being, I can try to do things uh, virtually. And then I, I go to a human being and I, and I, and I practice what, what, I, what I just learned. The same thing, imagine like everything that we can do on 2D for me is like, why, if we have technology for it, why am I seeing you in a 2D view? If mm. I already have technology to see you in a like virtual space in which if you are seated on my left, I can totally hear your voice on the left. We can virtually high five. We have a very, <laughs> very immersive feeling as if we were in the same place for real. Yeah. So it, it's still just... a lot of things to improve, of course. But I believe like, you know, we, we have technology almost ready to go for us to almost experience ready. those times. I mean, there's a, there's a technological change, but there's also a cultural change to get people used to this. I mean, I, the, the example I'll give you is that I've been to a couple of metaverse conventions and it's a keynote and, and things like that. But to me, there's still a little bit lost where when you're looking at uh, an avatar and it's not a particularly great avatar. And I think there's just an element of the human connection there that just is, is slightly less and missing. But Microsoft just announced a couple of weeks ago that they're bringing high quality avatars into the Teams application. So if you've only just dragged yourself out of bed and you look like shit, maybe you can just click a button and your very high quality avatar will be there. And as you move around the screen, it moves around the screen. When you smile, it smiles. 
I can't wait for that because I think, look, all of our lives are becoming more and more digital. And especially, you know, kids are so much more used to socializing online, in-game. They're very, very concerned about the appearance of their avatar, sometimes even more so than their, than their physical appearance as well. But when we get avatars that are real enough and really move like us, it will remove that sort of uncanny valley type of problem. And all of a sudden, you know, I... I foresee us being communicating avatar to avatar. And I think when that happens, again, that's another step towards the metaverse in my view. Me too. Um, there, there are a lot of companies doubling down when it comes to the avatar quality. There's still a bunch of things to evolve for this to look like us, but things are coming. Um, even Meta last year on the Connect event, they were sharing a bunch of studies and things that are already on the go when it comes to very realistic avatars. My question, and actually my question to you is, yeah. would you like to look as yourself as an avatar or would you like to look different? That's a very good question. <laughs> no, I'd like to look like myself for sure. Um, I Have you seen those... Uh, uh, you know that app that went crazy recently where you upload like 20 pictures of yourself and it makes you look really, really good? I, I can't remember the exact pay, name. And you pay to give And you pay. And it's, and it's not even cheap. It's not like a dollar. It's like six bucks a go or whatever. You know, um, Lenza. That's it. It's Lenza. Uh, yeah, I kind of look like... <laughs> I looked at that and I went, I wish I looked like that. That's awesome, you know? But I don't like... I mean, we've already got a big enough problem with, you know, the Instagram effect and people photoshopping the crap out of their pictures. I think that's bad. I think our avatars should be as accurate as possible to where you are. Now, maybe it'll look, make you look like you are at your best, and I think that's fine. Uh, some people might want to, you know, dress up as Batman and or, or some sort of weird furry character. I don't know. That's fine. If you want to do that, they do that. No, I think it should be as real as possible because, you know, one of the things about the future of technology is that it's amazing being able to connect with people like we are now in different parts of the world and have a conversation like you're really there. But we still are way too connected to our phones. We're hunched over like that. We're using our little thumbs to tap out a message. I can't wait for the day when that accelerates uh, away from those sort of things. So we'll have our we'll have our AR glasses, and maybe I'll just see you like you're standing right there, you know. And maybe um, instead of actually having to type stuff, I can just sort of murmur under my breath and you know tell Alexa what I want to do. That's the vision I foresee and I would love. And there's a lot of really, really cool stuff happening around that. So I think it's a matter of time, to be honest. Agree, agree. And, and I think people should be able to, to look as they want. So you want to look as yourself, but for some reason, someone doesn't want to look like themselves. Um, uh, I know that we were uh, chatting a little bit about it, but um, as a woman, do I want to look like a woman? And if I have suffered any type of problems with men in the real world, like harassment or anything, do I want to look like a woman in the virtual world? And again, that's a conversation for you know hours and hours, but I believe that yes, there should be a way for me to say like, I am myself, so because of fraud or whatever things, but at the same time, like maybe 
for this experience specifically, I rather not show my face or I rather not say what is my gender because, you know, uh, th that's also the possibility of the virtual, right? Like you can actually be what you want. Absolutely. I, I, I think maybe there might be two elements of it in a, in a work situation, in a public situation where like we are now, you want to be yourself, but everyone also has the right to privacy and anonymity. So if you want to go onto Reddit and have conversations and you want to appear as this other character, you want to go into a virtual world and play a game and socialize and sort of make virtual friends. Absolutely. You can be whoever the hell you want to be. Um, I would still think there is room for both sides. I, I personally don't have a need to, you know, be some sort of superhero cartoon character, uh, but uh, but other other people do. But as you say, it's that anonymity around, you know, your gender or something like that. And I think, look, this brings up a great point. I know that you are quite involved in a number of women's associations, especially around Web three and tech in general. Um, yeah, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, super happy to share. And I, I, I mentioned, right, I, I am studying about the metaverse and it's recent. And when, when everything boomed to one year ago, I felt the need of learning. Uh, being who I am in, in, mm. in the step I am in my career, I felt like, okay, I don't know anything. I need to learn. And... It was a great surprise. I, I remember being in NFT Rio and one person approached me telling me that she was part of this women-led Web3 community and that mm. she really wanted to, to know if I wanted to join. Uh, so we, we arranged a coffee and she started explaining everything about the community. The community is called Eve NFT. And I was amazed. I was like, okay, this just started and there is already a women-led community focused on not just, you know, creating NFTs, which especially the amazing NFTs made by an amazing artist with a bunch of, um, you know, NGO contribution, as well mm. as like a lot of educational value. And that was where I was the most interested because I was like, yes, I don't know if I can educate anyone, but I'm ready to join this community to learn. And it's impressive when, when you go to those type of women live events and, and you start, you know, talking with other women and, and like, do you know what you're talking about? And they're like, no, I have no idea. And, and you feel comfortable to say you don't know. Sure. And, and right. Like we, we, we sometimes just because of we're like our gender, we are like the sometimes, especially in tech, we are the few women in the room. And yeah. being the few women in the room, it gives us a little less empowerment to raise our hands sometimes to say that we don't know about something, especially when it comes to technologies that are uh, so new and, and technologies that, that assemble a little bit like finance. And, and of course. women are not very present in finance and you know that is transcending to Web3. So how can we change it, right? Well, like we talked about earlier, um, I personally think it's it's amazing to say, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's a superpower. It's, you know, it proves to someone that you're honest. You're not trying to bullshit your way through something that you don't know. 
you're secure and mature enough to, uh, to, to just say that that's not an area and I'll go find out later or I'll ask someone or I'll come back to you. It's, it's something that was said to me many years ago in my career dealing with you know, customers in a sense because when you consistently try to pretend that everyone knows everything, it's just a, a bit of a waste of time. And as you mentioned to me, there's a lot of hesitancy or fear from women to, to, to try and do that, but I don't think that's fair. And I think they should be able to say, I don't know, because in such a space as we're in now, everybody's still learning. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's the opportunity I see right now, right? We're sort of in the beginning of the race and, mm. you know, there might be people already on the first kilometer of this race, but there's still time for people to, you know, catch up and join those that are the, 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 the starters. But the point here is also like when it comes to, to, to women and because we're talking about it, it's, it's sometimes even beyond that. I remember when a while back, uh, no, not saying how many years back, but when I was starting my career, uh, I was leading a lot of uh, developer workshops, a lot of hackathons, mm -hmm. as well as a bunch of meetups. And I remember when we... Uh, we're looking at the numbers and saying, like, why is there no women in these meetups? Well, sure. the meetups used to happen during night time. So from seven to nine or something around that, because people work during the day. But women have kids sometimes. Yeah. Where are they going to leave their kids with or mm. with whom? The second point is. For a woman that does not live very close to wherever the, the meetup is happening, sometimes she needs to take two trains, one bus, metro, this and that, and sometimes walk along on the street. It's definitely not safe to do that on big cities and not even mm. in small cities anymore. So women mm. have a bunch of like obstacles that sometimes don't allow them to go to those type of events. So I remember doing things such as paying them the Uber to go so they don't have to take all of the public nice. transportation and they can, you know, arrive and go back to their home state. The other thing we tested was, you know, bringing um, sort of like kid care. So we would have like a space for the kids so the women don't have to not go. They bring their kids and we have a space for the kids and someone to take care of the kids while awesome. they can, you know, learn. So those are very specific aspects that... That's the beauty of diversity, right? Maybe if there was not me uh, leading these meetups, uh, a bunch of other people wouldn't understand that this was an issue. But being on 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 their on their shoes was was really interesting for us to understand how can we bring them more often. And there is another point that um, imagine if you are uh, transgender and you don't feel comfortable sometimes to you know raise your hand talk about um, you know th that you are transgender and when you are in a cozy uh, space in which you feel safe uh, you feel more open to not just say that because at the end of the day we're humans we want to share not just about like professional but we want to share about our lives but then you feel more comfortable to open to share to say what are your challenges, to say you don't know, to say maybe you were never comfortable to go to a room filled with men and, and now you feel more comfortable because you feel safe. So I think safety is something that uh, it's a big obstacle still today, 
for for a bunch of things to to explode when it comes to women uh, being more part of communities in general. So when it comes to women in Web3, I mean, we, we've all seen it, we've all gone to the conferences and it is a incredibly male-dominated uh, area. But like I mentioned to you, I know a number of women in Web3 who are at the absolute top of their field. They are amazing. They do the conference circuit, they're speaking, they're on panels, they're moderating, they're presenting, uh, they're running their own companies, be it you know advisory, marketing, PR, even development. And I've always looked at these couple, you know, few women that I know of, which I, I, I really will be bringing on the podcast. And they've turned it into an, an advantage. Instead of kind of going, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm only one of the only women here and blah, blah, blah. They've kind of gone, you know, let's own it. Let's run with it. And I think that's, I'm, I, I've said this to a couple of friends of mine who are, you know, interested in the, in the space and thinking about getting into it. Don't be afraid. Just try and make it your, your, your superpower and try and run with it. And uh, I, I've seen it done so many times. It's important for, for women to see themselves in other women. That's, that's how important it is for conferences that you and I, we currently go uh, to see women on stage because seeing someone on stage helps me to think like, okay, if she was able to do it, maybe I'm also able to do it. And yeah. it transcends, right? We were talking about it before. If, I see a, if I'm a black girl and I see a black woman over there, I would think like, okay, I can do that as well. Like she was able to do that. We all have a bunch of obstacles, a lot of people way more than us. But mm. the point is, you know, if we give people the voice for them to be at their, you know, most and, and biggest potential, that's when these people feel like, okay, I, I think I might have a space to sit in this table with all of these other people that might not look like me, that might not have the same background as I had or the obstacles I had. But, you know, I, I can see a, a, a light at the end of the tunnel. So, yeah. But there are some uh, amazing women in the space. I mean, Kathy Wood is one of my favorites. ARK Invest, she's an absolute legend. She is so switched on, and I really love um, what she says. I mean, we had Cheryl Sandberg, you know, running Facebook and Meta for a very, very long time. She is an incredibly smart uh, and, and uh, empowering woman. So I think that's also, I mean, coming back to what we talked about earlier, I'm currently involved in a project where we are, uh, how do I say we're making a, a metaverse conference where um, you can don a headset, have a uh, have a very hyper realistic avatar, and be in and participating in a conference in the metaverse, either on the stage as a moderator in a panel or viewing. And we're, you know, we're going to take this on tour. I think it's a wonderful opportunity to use that to kind of lower these boundaries or restrictions that certain women are are maybe a little bit afraid of and uh, give them a platform to feel more comfortable and, 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 and show what they know and who they are. Exactly. Th those type of new channels, I like to call immersive tech as new channels, since, you know, a computer is a channel, a cell phone is a channel, uh, these new channels, they, they can really empower people. They can really empower people to, you know, be a little bit less afraid with themselves, uh, feel a little bit less fear. It won't remove, right, the feelings, mm -hmm. the empowerment or give empowerment immediately, but it does help. 
the other thing that I believe, especially when, you know, we're here probably talking to a lot of people that uh, have some kind of influence in the market, to whenever you're doing a conference, just look at the list of your speakers and think to yourself, like, does this represent um, the world ratio population between men and women? And, and just having that in the back of your mind, because yes, we have a lot of great women on Web3, immersive tech, name it, but there is still way less than the percentage of men. So it is more challenging to fill a list equally, 50-50. Uh, it takes a little bit more time sometimes for you to fill it and, and make sure that you have a diverse set of speakers, participants, panelists, but it's worth it. It's worth it and it's part of the movement for each one of us to, you know, feel, not, not feel, but like be responsible. Like I like to call it like being an ally to, to making these conferences more innovative because sure. whenever you bring diverse perspectives, diverse backgrounds, uh, you bring innovation with it, right? Absolutely. So let me ask you another question. Obviously, you know, in the role you're in and the exposure to the markets, how do you see the next couple of years panning out in terms of the future of work? We have gone from a few years ago, couple company I worked in just wouldn't let you work from home. You know, no, no, because you're going to be slacking off and you won't be doing. And then all of a sudden COVID comes in and bang, we're all at home. We're working more hours. We're more concentrated. We're not wasting time in the canteen at the water cooler. Um, where do you see this going with the technology that's being developed? Uh, and how do you see us all being uh, in this sort of new way of working? What's it going to evolve into, in your opinion? Interesting. Well, I think uh, mixed reality is coming to stay. So nowadays we have a bunch of headsets that can, you know, make you feel like you are in your table because you are in your table. But, you know, bringing elements that sometimes you would only have access if you were on your field of work. So imagine a, um, someone that needs to work with motors and they need to build it and they need to be in the factory. So we, we're here comfortably in our houses, but there are jobs that just cannot be done remotely for now. And, and imagine this person being able, imagine this person is a motor designer. And, and this person, you know, normally needs to go to the office, but imagine with MR that this person will be able to do it from their houses, having the exact um, elements that this person needs to build whatever it's needed to build a motor that I have no idea what is needed. But, mm. uh, but the fact that the person can do it in their houses and, and using the exact type of material, using the exact elements, I'll give you an example of um, an artist that I met, and he's from Rio de Janeiro, and he designs jewelry using uh, the Quest 2. Yeah. So he uses uh, a bunch of softwares to build it, and it's incredible. And, mm. and I was talking to him these days, and he told me that he is running an experiment with a community. Um, I think it's from Hosinha, and he told me, like, do you have any idea how much a can of graffiti, a can of paint yeah. costs? And I was like, no, I have no idea. And he was like, yes, a lot. So imagine if you are from a community that yes. doesn't have a lot of money. So for you to buy one of those paint cans, it's a lot of money. And yeah. they end, right? 
it's it's not an eternal uh, can. The, he was telling me that he was experimenting, teaching graffiti to this bunch of young kids. And, and yeah. he was telling me like how amazing it was because they were like, okay, I have an infinite can. It's incredible. And it's incredible. Like you're empowering people with that. And, and, and it's just the beginning in my view, like the technology will evolve in a point that it will be way more comfortable for us to wear this type of headsets. It will be way more social as well. Uh, but there's one thing that I believe, which is nothing replaces the cafezinho uh, with, with, your, with your colleagues, right? Sure. Like nothing replaces Absolutely. It. No, I mean, I think this technology, in my opinion, is here not to replace, but to complement and to enhance when we don't have the opportunity to be, you know, face to face. I'll give you an example. Um, my first real proper experience of 3D, I remember putting on the Oculus Quest, the first one, and we were in the office, someone bought it, and it was a roller coaster simulator. And, you know, for the first while, it's amazing. And then they go over this thing. And I, I, I threw the thing off my head. I thought I was about to, I felt completely uneasy. And I was blown away by the fact that something, you know, which is just some lenses in front of you, right, could make you feel completely so uneasy. I thought I was about to fall off my chair. Fast forward a couple of years to just a couple of years ago. Um, in Dubai, there is this amazing experience in the mall. You go into this, it's right beside the Apple store. And it's like going into the cinema in a, in a weird kind of way, you know, you, you, but you go into this room and you get dressed up and you have a backpack. It's a weird backpack and you have these things. One of them, they go on your hands and they go on your feet. And then of course you have a, a quest like they so you go into this room. It's a reasonably small, completely pitched black room. And you put this on. And when you put it in, you are essentially transparent transported into this absolutely crazy virtual 3D world. And it's like Indiana Jones style. You know, there's some pyramids over here and there's a jungle over there, whatever it is. And all of a sudden, you know, uh, ghosts start appearing and a train comes out. And what was amazing to me in this journey is that as soon as this started happening, I was there. I was in this world. I wasn't thinking I'm here and I got a backpack on. I got this thing on my face. I, I just forgot everything else. You were completely immersed in it. And there's another stage where it, they make it interactive where you can pick things physically up. And even though you're picking this thing up in real life, you can see it. My wife like threw this thing across the room and nearly hit me in the head. I mean, you know, it's, it's so immersive. And I think we're not quite there yet with this sort of consumer-based tech, but soon enough we will be. I mean, you know, think about concerts in the metaverse, which we've had Ariana Grande, we've had um, uh, a, a bunch of others. You know, Ariana Grande had 79 million people turn up to hers. And, you know, it's an immersive interactive experience where you can be there with your friend, even your friends on the other side of the world. And I personally see this growing very, very significantly over the next few years and it becoming much more mainstream and coming into the cultural nomenclature. Yeah, imagine like one of my dreams is to go to a Super Bowl. Mm. Uh, with the money I know I'm willing to pay, I might not have the best seat. Uh, mm. But imagine, uh, you know, you being able to watch the Super Bowl from the seat 
that you cannot afford in real life and have a very, very close experience as if you were there. And Absolutely. so many other experiences, right? Again, uh, nothing will be the same. Like it's, it's not going to be replacing like the experience of being there in person. But for those that would never be able to pay for it, imagine how much it expands when it comes to equality as well. Absolutely. And I can't remember the specific stadium, but there is one of the basketball stadiums in the U.S. and they've put 150 cameras all around the place, right at courtside, up in the air. But these are um, they're cameras that stitches together everything that they see in real time into a 3D virtual world. So now you can put on your headset and you can be courtside. And you can look around and you can see everything and it is in real time. And then if you want, you can walk, you know, onto the, uh, onto the actual basketball court and get the view like you are one of the players, the referee. And several people called me up and said, okay, I saw this thing. This is absolutely insane. Where else is this technology going to go? What other applications does it have? I mean, wh wh where do you see it, it growing into as well? I just need to make a joke. Like, imagine you being there on the court, and then you see Jay Z, Beyonce. <laughs> I would like go crazy. Absolutely. <laughs> you can feel like you're there. Yes, exactly. No, and I think one thing that I remember very well was the FIFA um, app. I don't know if you recall this last World Cup last year. Yeah. FIFA launched an app that had a AR experience that was very cool so when we're at home and we're watching the the game we we have like someone saying like okay this person has the ball this is like a bunch of status from this player and this is a bunch of status about the game and with that uh app you were able to see that in real life just pointing your camera to mm -hmm. the field for me that was like mind-blowing because that was mm -hmm. bringing to those that were like the other way around like imagine like bringing to those that are there in person a bunch of virtual things that they cannot access while being there uh, but we at home we do access so it, it's an interesting it's an interesting switch that i think again just opens a little bit more the possibilities the other thing that i that i cannot not think about when it comes to to this possibilities is education mm. so i was taught through books so I had to see pictures of whatever historical thing that happened many like years ago. Imagine being able to, you know, see a historical thing happening in front of you. So for me, that's mind blowing. Imagine Incredible. being a kid in like 10, 15 years from now and being at school and being able to, you know, hear a conversation between, I don't know, uh, Don Pedro, Cabral and whoever, uh, and whoever. So, I mean, it's, it's interesting for you to, to go there and see like also how the movie, uh, industry will have to yeah. reinvent themselves because on a way that they just have to screen and that's already a lot of work. But imagine if you have to give me a sense of, you know, fully immersive in that movie. It's another work. It requires a lot of other skills and technologies. And, and I think that's amazing. Well, 
what you just said around education, I've seen this recently with all of the crazy developments happening in AI. I mean, you know, you can basically ask ChatGPT, make me a lesson plan for learning physics taught by Richard Feynman or Albert Einstein. Uh, we've seen the mid-journey and Dolly 2 spit out incredibly accurate images like the Pope in the jacket that sort of fooled everyone. Um, but text-to-video is coming. I mean, it's very rudimentary at the moment, but give it a couple of years and you will have education that is completely tailored to what you want and the way you want to learn, um, but being taught by the most interesting and best teachers in the world to make it completely engaging for the younger generation. Because let's face it, you and me grew up you know, in a boring classroom staring at you know, a book or maybe a slide or something. And if we did have some educational content in a video, it was probably pretty boring and incredibly cheesy. Nowadays, they'll be able to, you know, I, I have a three-year-old son. I can only imagine the type of education he is going to get and that he's already getting. You know, even the content that he watches on YouTube. I mean, yeah, we had Sesame Street and stuff like that. But the stuff they have now is, is amazing. Wait until AI is tailoring that completely to your own learning style and what actually interests you. And I, yeah, I think that's completely mind blowing. And, and imagine someone that, for example, has autism and requires a completely different way to be thought. So mm -hmm. imagine uh, someone that does not easily focus, so dyslexia or whatever. And the, the, whole, the whole work today that is for the traditional education to, you know, keep this, uh, this kids interested at the same way that maybe the average kids are interested. Uh, you, you will be able to, you know, think about out of average because we're all unique. Mm. And, and with AI learning continuously, how do we better learn? Uh, I think it's very powerful when it comes to education because that could, as you mentioned, tailor exactly the way I learn the best. Because there are people that learn the best by reading. There are people that learn the best by writing or watching something. So imagine like really tailoring something that is made for me on the way that I better learn and based on my interests. So, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it, it's not necessarily just education. It can also be onboarding. And I have a friend who's building an AI company right now, working with a few really huge organizations that are going to have to hire quite literally hundreds of thousands of people over the next couple of years. How do you onboard, train, and enable people at this level of scale, but do it in a personalized manner? It's incredibly difficult. I mean, if, if I think about, I've worked for big corporates all my life and the unbelievably boring courses I've had to do for, you know, uh, all the sort of stuff that they need you to know and you're clicking through and you're listening to these cheesy voices, that's not productive. Whereas what uh, my friend Psyche is trying to do is create a digital world, a metaverse, where you can have an immersive experience to learn and you know get guided by an AI avatar who will literally be your tutor. And like we like we talked about earlier, I mean, you know, kids are already going on and well, number one, they're using ChatGPT to cheat on their on their essays, which is, you know, we're gonna have to change for that. But number two, they're like, okay, I don't understand this concept. Explain it to me. 
take the persona of you know a, a, a history professor uh, or a, a physics uh, professor and, and teach it to me, and that is amazing. So when that starts to become more mainstream, the level of learning and uh, an education that we're going to be able to pack in and be so much more productive is really going to go sky high. I agree, hundred percent. Excited for what the future has for us. I, let, let me ask you one more question. So right now, I mean, I've kind of been fairly close to the metaverse space for the last like two years. And we've seen Sandbox, Decentraland, Illuvium, you know, a, a load of these sort of guys. They're all taking a different spin on it. And it's something I kind of ask each one, you know, where do you see the metaverse panning out? Who do you see being most successful? And most importantly, why? You know, why is it that you're choosing this path? Why is it that you're going down this road? To me, I mean, look, the obvious one is gaming, okay? And um, it makes sense for games to have virtual worlds to be sticky. But when it's not a game, we need other ways of keeping people occupied, having stickiness, getting them to return, and really making it as an enjoyable experience as possible to be in a virtual world rather than to be staring at a, a, a 2D digital brochure. Based on your experience, kind of where do you see this going and, 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 and who's going to be successful and why? It's an interesting question because I, I don't have any specific answer. I, I've seen so many companies, the ones that you mentioned and, and others, you know, making this bet. So mm. I'll go this way, I'll go that way, I'll go more towards gaming, I'll go more towards uh, even like making uh, partnerships with brands. So we bring this brand's experience to a metaverse. Some of them were successful, some of them were definitely not successful. I believe it's, it's a bunch of things that we will have to understand from the human behavior. I believe that, you know, there will, there's still this being built of we in this new technology. I don't think we know where we're going to go in this technology for now. So there's mm. a bunch of companies going to different places and sort of, I would say, even testing, you know, oh, let's do a, a yeah. fashion week on the metaverse. Oh, let's mm. do a bunch of digital clothing. Let's go here. Let's go there. Uh, I, I think eventually we will see a lot of ourselves in virtual as we already do. So to be honest, I, I believe that it would just be a change of channel. Uh, mm. We currently, how do we entertain ourselves, right? We watch series and movies. Uh, we go outside and, and play something like football or we play beach tennis and we, we, we have like this need of entertaining ourselves as human beings. And a bunch of these things we do online. Uh, how many hours sometimes you spend just scrolling on Twitter or Instagram yeah. or call it, right? And especially when you are in a very interesting WhatsApp group conversation, you're like, when you see the time flew and you were like Absolutely. 30 minutes in this conversation or in Discord, I think... It's more about like, we will still have this need of interacting, understanding other people's views, building together a bunch of things, but we will have a bunch of more um, tools to do that basically. 
uh, I, I'm fascinated when I see like a bunch of brands trying to engage with their customers mm. using this new place, let's call it like mm. that. So like, okay, so you can buy and purchase my object in the real life, but you can also have it in the digital life. So this sort of thing, we already have it, but we don't have avatars that much. Well, we do have avatars, but like, it's not that popular that we care that much on the day by day, not just in gamings, where, what they're wearing, uh, their outfit and everything. But when it comes to, you know, becoming closer to our experience, that might start popping in our minds. Like, oh, I want my avatar to wear what I wear in the real life. So that it sort of will expand to all of the industries. I mean, we've already seen this. Anyone I know with kids between the age of, I don't know, six and 16 and maybe even more, they're used to, hey, daddy, can I have 20 bucks because I want to buy another skin or I want some downloadable content. I mean, about two years ago when I was getting into this, I called up a friend of mine and I said, have you heard, you know, do you know what the metaverse is? And he kind of went, uh, yeah. And I started explaining it to him and he goes, okay. He goes, I have a 14 year old son. He said, he came, I, I went to him the other day. I said, you, you know, your, your sneakers are wrecked. We're going to bring you to the mall. We're going to buy you a new pair. He said, dad, can I have that money? Cause I want to spend it on my avatar. And and, and that was a kind of, you know, realization moment for me. But that, that, that was two years ago. Now it's so much more commonplace. Every time I speak, I always ask the audience this. Because in my opinion, kids have a very acute value for digital assets that people of my generation and older just don't really understand. We, we have value on things that are physical you know, a pair of sunglasses, a pair of headphones, whatever it is. And if something is digital, well, number one, it's easily replicable because I can just email that NFT to my friend. And, you know, now I have that, you know, million dollar monkey JPEG on my phone. But do I own it? No. Kids don't think that way. They value digital uh, assets and they see them having value in the same way or a, a similar way as physical assets and they don't differentiate as much. And that is only going to accelerate. And that's why I still see a very, very strong future for NFTs. I mean, they, we all get that, you know, the headlines about, oh, some idiot paid a million dollars for a pet rock, a picture of it, you know. But what they don't necessarily understand is people in the NFT community think very, very differently about this. And, you know, it's almost like uh, a, a, it's the new age flex for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the technology still has uh, incredible uh, abilities. I mean, look, when it comes to the metaverse, cryptocurrency is the money, NFT are the things. Indeed. The, the one thing I remember I had to put in my mind when I was, starting my journey to learn more about NFTs, Web3 in general, was, okay, so beside this really nice picture that I know it's in a blockchain, it's mine, it has value, I can sell it, and all of these things, I remember really being in a conversation, I think it was three years ago, and one of my colleagues from work, uh, it was during, it was 2020, it was during the pandemic, and she was telling me about like, you know, there's this thing, the NFTs, this and that. And, and there's this cool place in New York that you can only get in if you have these NFTs. Like, 
the NFTs is like this, you know, club pass. And I was like, yeah. okay, now I understand the value. I want this thing. Like I want the thing that the NFT that I own give me access to. So classic, right? Gary V uh, has yeah. like the V conference. It's I think all based on, you know, owning um, Gary V, uh, V friends, NFTs. And, mm. and you can only go there if you have one. So I know that there are restaurants uh, being built that are all like NFT based, which is like we're, we're used with this, right? People mm. still pay a lot of money to get into like exclusive clubs. Yeah. And, and that's sort of what I see happening. And, and for me, that's when the NFT tangibilize to the, let's call it like the real life. We've seen some really interesting stuff over the last little while. Scandinavian, Scandinavian airlines have said that they're going to turn all of their tickets into NFTs and solve some of the problems. Uh, a couple of friends of mine have a project around NFT ticketing for concerts and events because that's a huge you know, area that needs to be disrupted. Number one, you've got scalping. We all saw what happened with Taylor Swift recently and you know, thousands of her fans crying into their phones because they didn't get a ticket because they were you know, basically selling for thousands of dollars as a minimum, which is just insane. But the artists themselves are getting ripped off because they don't benefit from anything like that. So you got royalties built in and it really uh, solves a huge amount of problems. I mean, I still always get some people, even close friends of mine saying, oh, NFTs, you'd have to be an idiot to buy one of those things or, oh, Bitcoin is only for suckers. And, you know, unfortunately, it's one of the things about this market is that it's not necessarily that easy to understand straight away. I mean, you know, I've been in it for years and there's certain parts that I, you know, still struggle with. But I think what we need to do is evolve past the technology and not care about whether it's blockchain or whatever the hell is underneath and just focus on the benefits that it gives to the end user and how that helps them. And when we do that, you know, slowly but surely, this is transformational technology. And like the internet, it doesn't happen in, you know, in a couple of weeks or a year or two. It takes an awful lot more time. But for me, and I'm extremely excited about the entire ecosystem and, and how it's going to change the world and solve, you know, some, some very important problems for us. Yeah, it reminds me of the Pirate Bay situation in which a bunch of artists, a bunch, like all of the, all of the artist community were like very, very pissed because people would not buy albums anymore. They would download it for free on Pirate Bay or other like illegal uh, download yeah. uh, platforms. And then I was watching the Spotify uh, Netflix series and, you know, remembering back on the days, like remember refreshing my it. mind to what actually happened during those days. And I didn't remember. I was very young when it happened. And I was like, man, that's real. Like the artists used to get a lot of money from albums. And then suddenly they only get money from what? Concerts. And then, of course, the internet came in and expanded a little bit more. So, you know, uh, brand and content, them being ambassadors of brands or whatever. But still, like all of this chunk of money that they used to get from albums was like literally destroyed. And then, of course, Spotify has a monetization model, but it's not even close to what they used to get from the albums. But then you think about what we're going through right now. Like, yeah. am I, I, am a, I am a Maroon 5 fan, for example, 
and indeed I am. And imagine me being able to, as a fan, I would be totally okay to buy something and like to spend maybe even a lot of money to have access to, you know, giving an opinion on their new album uh, features or what songs are going in, what songs are not. And, and being part of this community of fans that can share my feelings, that can say like, you know, or can get access early when they have a concert here in Brazil. You know, mm. this package uh, mm. that I think they, they, they would will to, to offer to the community, but nowadays there's no way for us almost to talk to them, to tell them how much we're fans and, yeah. and even to pay them and tell them like, yes, I'm, I'm okay to pay to have access to, to these things. Well, this for me is one of the greatest things about this technology because it really brings the fans and the artists closer together. It gives the artist an opportunity to really have an interaction with the fans without a layer in between. And it gives them an opportunity to have control over their own music, over their own IP, of which, I mean, let's face it, uh, I've been working for you know a company in this, in this you know, music NFT and metaverse space for several years. And I've seen it from, like I told you before, from the days of me talking about metaverse and then thinking, what the hell is that? To now, everybody in the music industry is getting bombarded by everything NFT and metaverse. And they're taking it really seriously. And the reason is, is because they got absolutely smashed years ago over, you know, in several times, number one by Napster, then Spotify, YouTube, and they want to make sure they're at the forefront of this technology and that they're taking an advantage, advantage of it rather than it taking advantage of them. But it really does solve a lot of problems and enables a lot of ways for them to, A, make new revenues, you know, via selling digital assets, B, having, you know, greater control over their own music and the ability to use that to get closer to the fans. Like you say, sell special NFTs for only your biggest fans. You have to prove that you've been to a number of concerts and you do that because you have the NFTs in your wallet. That will then enable you to have a better personal connection with a friend of mine that you friend that you've just met because you can see you have this shared experience. And I think that's really, really fascinating. And that's why I'm really excited about that technology too. Yes, for sure. Me too, me too. Caroline, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to talk to me. It's been fascinating. I, I would love to continue on for the next few hours, but I know you're super busy uh, as I am as well. Maybe we'll have you back on at some stage in the future. And thank you for, uh, all of your insights on the market, you know, the technology and also women inside of Web3. Uh, congratulations on everything that you're doing. And uh, I can't wait to, uh, to speak to you again next time. Thank you for the opportunity. It was a huge pleasure to share and to learn from you. And yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to come again with even more things to discuss would be very excited. And I, ho I hope you come to Florianopolis as well. Uh, we're all waiting for you here too very soon. Yes, let's do this. <laughs> okay. Okay, well done. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was brilliant. Thank you. I hope uh, you no, I think that was, that was, yeah, it was really good. And I think we can, uh, we can get lots of really good, um, little clips from Shorts. that and stuff. I'm trying to think, so do you want to do, one or two or three, I ask you a short question, you give me a short answer in like a minute. Yeah. Let's do this. 
Okay, so I'll, I'll start with the women. This will all be edited afterwards, so we know it's still recording. Okay, so, okay, right, I'll start with this one. So Caroline, I know you were really involved in the movement of women in Web3 and, and in technology in general. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're doing? Yes, so I'm a fan of, you know, bringing more diversity to tech. And I was lucky enough to get to know an amazing community of women called EvenFT. They're based here in Brazil. And they basically help other women to understand more about Web3. They also have a great collection of NFTs. And in general, it's been mind-blowing for me to be part of this movement. I foresee a lot of other women getting into this and feeling inspired by us who are already in this movement to come in to ask questions, to feel comfortable and feel safe in the community. So yeah, very excited to see even more women in this field. Okay, awesome. Um, let me just think about what other questions I asked. What is a, um, what is a good one to cover? Uh, you see, I think most of these others, they're a lot longer. Shall I ask you a question about the, the augmented reality tech? Yeah. Yeah? Okay, so you can watch the timer on there, so I'll do this. So, Carolyn, based on your you know, extensive experience working in and around the mixed reality, virtual reality, augmented reality world, where do you see it going in the next couple of years? Oh, I think there is a huge path for involvement. Uh, we've seen, you know, the boom of AR effects on our phones, and it's just gonna evolve more and more. Uh, we foresee uh, smart glasses, AR glasses coming very soon, as well as lighter VR and MR devices. So I believe the future will look a lot like this mixed reality in which you can have this layer of virtual in front of what your eyes can already see and use it for things that are just not related to gaming, but education, health, and utility in general. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. And last one. Caroline, tell us a little bit about how you see the future of work evolving with the technology that you've been involved in. I believe that things such as education, health, and so many other professions will see a big evolution when it comes to the future of technology. Imagine that you are at school and instead of just reading it or watching videos about what happened in history, you can actually feel like you are part of something very interesting about history, like a conversation of two big people that changed uh, the world. So I believe that education is, is going to be like one of the most uh, well-affected uh, features that we will see in the future. Super cool. Awesome. Okay, ah! I think that's it. Thanks so much. Uh, that was really fun. That was it's fun. It's been a while uh, that I don't have to do these things. It's, uh, it's <laughs> I know. We, we, I've never done it in English, guess. by the way. I've never done it in English. Oh, have you not? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, you did amazing. <laughs> I mean, I feel honored. So you were my test, and now I Good. might do more in English. 
Well, you should absolutely. You 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 definitely should, um, and we'll get you exposed to a, a wider audience. So basically, what I'm going to do is um, next up in I don't know an hour or something. I'm filming with a guy called Scott Page, who was one of the band members of Pink Floyd. So this guy's like a 40-year veteran of the rock and roll music industry, but he is deep into NFTs. And I met him at an event, and we met a couple of times, and we we just continued to talk, and he came on our Twitter spaces, and I was I speaking remember. to him. He's I remember. I, his I heard that. You yeah, that's the, the one I sent to. So he he's 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 doing it now. So because he was essentially my original inspiration for actually doing this podcast, so I'm going to start with him. And... Okay. Um, yeah, and then I got a bunch more. So we'll probably make this live in a couple of weeks. I do have Sebastian from Sandbox. He's not available until the 19th. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to film with him. And then I got a couple of other people. But yeah, I'm just going to take my time with it. And I'll, uh, yeah, I'll send you the whole thing. And I'll send you the, the shorts and all those sort of things. And you, know, you can change anything you want if you need to. And otherwise, we'll, we'll, we'll blast it out. And I hope you'll post it on, uh, on your your. Uh, LinkedIn, on your LinkedIn as well. I, yes, yeah. yes. Count on that. Count on that. That's super cool. Yay, Thanks thank so much. Have a great day. You too. Amazing. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye.